Welcome to the Higher Potential Living Podcast, where we discuss improving quality of life by exploring mind, body, and spirit through a mindful lens. Here's your host, Jason Marichello. Hello and welcome everyone to episode one of season two, Higher Potential Living Podcast. I'm really excited to be here and hopefully you are as well. On today's episode, I am joined once again by the lovely Lauren Wolf. Lauren's been on the show a couple times in season one. She was here first to talk about yoga and what the real meaning of yoga is. And then on a later episode, we talked about women's sexuality, and tantric practices. Now on today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about ethical non-monogamy and polyamory. And the idea behind this episode is to dive deeper into this idea that even relationships are not a one-size-fit-all. And that's actually kind of the theme we're going to be using moving forward in season two here is this idea that even higher potential living doesn't necessarily mean it's going to look the same for every single person. And uh, the idea of just exploring that, I thought it was a good episode. Hopefully you get something out of it. Enjoy. All right, well, here we go. Season two, first episode. I'm really excited and I'm excited for my my guest as well. She is the dazzling, the amazing, the fill-in complimentary words here, <laughs> uh, Lauren Wolf. Lauren, thank you for joining me today. You're so, so welcome. <laughs> Thanks now, Lauren, for all the compliments. <laughs> And, and the insert compliments so like that I can like fill it you in can with fill my imagination. In. Whatever you need today. Aw, <laughs> oh, thanks. That's for you. Okay. Um, now, we've had you on the show before. Mm-hmm. We've talked about yoga. Yes, we did. And then we talked about... Women's sexuality and, and tantra. tantra yep. all that kind of stuff. And now you and I actually have a, a, a personal relationship. Of course we do. Absolutely. You are my wife. Yes, correct. Right. Yeah. Now, on that note... Today we're going to be talking about something a little bit, I guess, outside the box for some people. <laughs> for sure. And which is perfect for kind of the theme that we're going into this second season with, which is this idea of higher potential living possibly being different for different people and really just feeling into what is going to give you as an individual, the listener, your highest quality of life. Absolutely. Which may change throughout different points in your life and throughout different experiences that you encounter and all of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about different ways of relating. Different ways of relating. Different styles of relationships. Okay, so we're getting into relationships. So the one that we see the most of, what we are most familiar with is, of course... Monogamy. Monogamy, Mm -hmm. which broken down means mono gammy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Something like that, right? <laughs> this is why you're here. <laughs> Glad I can clarify monogamy for you. Um, <laughs> basically, monogamy being sexual and romantic exclusivity with one other person. Yes. Yes. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really interesting because even within monogamy, something that we see all the time are assumptions. So many assumptions as to what faithful means because even within monogamy, it shows up differently for so many people. Absolutely. We see 
you know, uh, couples that can have friends that are of opposite or different identification of gender or sexuality. We see some where it's like, no, 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 no. A, a guy can't have a female friend. That's just that's just asking for trouble because, you know, people can't be trusted and mm-hmm. all this kind of yes, stuff. Yes, those traditional values. <laughs> so even within this idea of monogamy, mm. there's so many variations within that. For sure. And so, you know, before we even get down the rabbit hole of what else is out there, if we're talking about monogamy, it's still so important to like identify what monogamy means for you. Absolutely, because everyone is so unique and individual. I feel like every relationship also needs to be unique and individual to serve the people in it. One hundred percent. So we're gonna we're gonna get back to that. We're gonna circle back around when we talk about communication and all that kind of stuff. Cool. But why don't we talk about some other forms of relating? So maybe we'll just take a moment to just go through some definitions first. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, So we have monogamy. Yes. Then we have monogamish. Okay. So let's get into, um, as a blanket term, Mm. consensual non-monogamy or just non-monogamy in general. So you have monogamy and non-monogamy. Okay. So we'll break down, we'll break down non-monogamy and let's start with actually, if we're going to do it this way, let's start with non-consensual or non-ethical non-monogamy. Okay. So non-monogamy would be that you are not sexually or romantically exclusive. Mm-hmm. One or both, possibly. Non-consensual non-monogamy or non-ethical non-monogamy would be that you are not being monogamous, but your partners are not aware of that. Or, or they're aware of it, but they're not happy about it. They're yes. not talking about it. I've seen this before oh, yeah, for sure. in the coaching that I've done where they kind of know, but they're scared that if they talk out, they speak out, that they're going to have to go through the whole separation thing. They'd have to get the kids involved. So some people just unhappily mm-hmm. will put up with it. Mm-hmm. And that's where that term ethical or consensual comes into it yeah. is that idea. Especially for me, that term ethical really resonates. I typically yeah. refer to it more as ethical non-monogamy. It's like, are, is everyone involved on board with what's happening? Absolutely. So if not, you have that non-ethical or non-consensual non-monogamy, which is often what we refer to as... Cheating, cheating, which could be cheating sexually. It could be cheating emotionally, depending mm-hmm. on what your agreements are in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Which is huge, that agreement piece. Yeah. So we have that non-consensual or non-ethical non-monogamy. Yeah. And then what about monogamish? So the opposite of that first would be the consensual non-monogamy, mm. right? And so monogamish kind of falls under that. So consensual non-monogamy would be that everyone is consenting and everyone it, like, everything's above board you have maybe other romantic partners maybe other sexual partners and everyone who is involved knows that and is 100% awesome with that 100% okay. we'll, we'll we'll talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about growth edges absolutely there are varying degrees but yeah. everyone is like yes i'm okay with this this is this is good maybe yes. it is a growth edge but you know what it's okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So monogamish, monogamish would fall under the consensual non-monogamy kind of umbrella. And monogamish would be, you are more or less exclusive romantically and sexually with one partner, monogamous with them. Mm-hmm. But the ish part is maybe occasionally you 
dabble in extramarital sex or relationships, probably things that are short term. Maybe it's having sex with someone at a party or kissing someone at a party or you have a threesome occasionally or whatever. Like it's it's mostly monogamous, but occasionally non-monogamous. Well, and even for us, when we at one point, I think we kind of identified as monogamish for sure because we just love cuddling with our friends. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like, okay, we're just going to take friendships Mm -hmm. and we're going to just take them a little bit more into a bit of an intimate place with cuddling and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So one thing I want to say is as we're going through these definitions, different people might define things slightly different and that's totally awesome. Um, There's lots of resources online and everything else. This is what we've kind of come across. This is what we resonate with. So that's how we're defining everything. So please, if you are within uh, ethical non-monogamous, I don't know, community or something, don't send us hate mail because you think that our definitions (laughs) are wrong. Okay, so that's that. Uh, Where else are we going to go under this umbrella of ethical or consensual non-monogamy? Okay, so after that, we also have polyfidelity. So polyfidelity is a romantic or sexual relationship that involves more than two people, but those people are exclusive to one another, to all, Mm. uh, everyone in that relationship. It could be a thruple or a triad or a quad or just like a group marriage. Mm -hmm. Like there's all kinds of ways to do that, but those people are exclusive to one another. Right. Yeah, so that that is also under that umbrella. Okay. Yeah. And now one thing that was really, I don't know why it was so popularized, but another thing that comes up a lot is swinging. People talk about swinging Mm -hmm. all the time. Where does swinging fall under this whole umbrella? Swinging is also a form of ethical non-monogamy. It's high on the romantic exclusivity, Mm -hmm. but lower on the sexual exclusivity. So people who swing are typically sexual with multiple people, but usually only romantic with their, let's call them like nesting partner or primary partner or husband or wife or whoever that is in your life to you. Mm -hmm. And you may swing together, you may swing separately, but it's, it's mostly on that sexual level that you are engaging with multiple people. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, so swinging is not what? ethical non-monogamy is. It's just another branch yes. on the tree. Yeah. Awesome. Totally. So then we also hear about like open relationships. People say like we have an open marriage or something like that. Where does that fall in the ethical non-monogamy? Open marriages or open relationships are also higher on the romantic exclusivity typically, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily swinging. It could be that you engage with other people separately on occasion or regularly, but it's you're still mostly dedicated to that one person, your mm-hmm. your partner, whoever you identify that yeah, as. Yeah, I think what I've seen in the past is people who identify with open typically will use more terms like friends with benefits or mm-hmm. casual hookups. Yep. Is yep. what I've seen. That's and again that's just case. through my you know, through what what research will say. Yeah, that can take many different forms. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm 100%. Then we come into polyamory. Mm -hmm. So polyamory is, I mean, it basically means many loves, polyamory. And that is 
lower on the romantic exclusivity side of things mm -hmm. may also be lower on the sexual exclusivity side of things, but it is a lifestyle where you are free to have more than one romantic relationship, more than one emotional relationship mm -hmm. with other people and possibly more than one sexual relationship. You find in it often has an emphasis on finding love with more than one person. Right, which is what Amory exactly. means. Yeah, and Multiple again, loves. that can take many different forms for different people. But yes, having many romantic relationships is typically what we find in polyamory, and that may also mean sexual too. And even within polyamory, there are a couple branches as well, right? Like we have hierarchical polyamory, yep. which would mean that you may have a wife or a husband, and that may be identified as your primary partner, but then you may have a boyfriend or a girlfriend mm -hmm. or secondary or tertiary partners as well. And then there's non-hierarchical polyamory, which how would you how would you explain how non-hierarchical polyamory is more geared toward everyone being on an equal playing mm -hmm. field. Like no one partner has more claim on your time or your resources than anyone else. Mm -hmm. You you don't rank them as a level of importance. It's um yeah, it's it's trying to do away with the traditional kind of views on like the couple centric thing about relationships and more so accepting that different people have different needs and you allow those relationships to evolve to evolve in whatever way they need to mm -hmm. or whatever way comes organically and even within that too within polyamory we still have like polyintimate we have so many different ways mm -hmm. that we can break things down which is what is more the emphasis in your multiple partner situation is it going to be about sexuality is it going to be intimacy so one of the things yeah. that we're trying to really just show here is that there's so many different ways and part of entering into the ethical non-monogamous uh, lifestyle is really feeling into what works for you mm -hmm. and Absolutely. which is really interesting if you're entering into this with a partner to begin with because you have to also identify what is it that you're after and what is it that your partner's after and when those are slightly different mm -hmm. that's where some of the fun can <laughs> can begin and then of course we we almost missed um solo poly yeah so solo poly um is more of an emphasis on like you're you have free agency you're doing your own thing and you choose to engage sexually or intimately or romantically with however many people that feels right for you and but it, you kind of do away with the the again the couple centric kind of traditional things that we do like sharing a house together or mm. whatever like that kind of stuff it's, would this almost fall under the like the anarchist Almost, not quite. Solo okay. poly is like, you consider yourself single and right. you date many people and that may take a lot of different shapes. Mm -hmm. um, relationship anarchy is, <laughs> is a little bit different in that they try to do away completely with traditional definitions of relationships, whether they're sexual, romantic or otherwise. And there's no template for that. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing to, to talk about and that that we could do a whole podcast on that. But it's just a really like interesting topic. 
Um, and I'm sure there's lots of podcasts out there about it already. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but if, if that's something that really piques your interest, I'm sure you can find lots of resources about um, relationship anarchy. Okay. Breath. Yeah. So we've <laughs> defined all of these different uh, different ways of living and relating and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So now I guess the big question is, you mm -hmm. identify as being under the ethical non-monogamous umbrella. Where would you put your, where would you put your identity there? Um, I put mine under polyamorous. That is how I identify um, the concept of having multiple loves and people that I'm romantically involved with, emotionally involved with, and sexually involved with, um, that there really aren't any limitations on how um, relationships evolve. I find it funny because like I'm interviewing you yeah. as in like, oh, tell me, Lauren, I've never heard about <laughs> any of this before. But obviously. Oh, my goodness. So many hours, so many hours, so many years yeah. of conversations about this. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to continue to take the stance for the sake of keeping the podcast going. No, I like as it. in like, oh, this is all complete news to me. But <laughs> let the record show that this isn't like a surprise that's coming out um, in this podcast right now. And we'll talk about that as we go through. For sure. So at what point in this journey, in, in the journey of your life, mm. did you recognize that identity? So um, this is something that only really came up really strongly for me about three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. um, this was something that I was introduced to through my therapist, actually. Um, it was it was a bit of an interesting time in that I was going through some really challenging um, mental health issues related specifically to my sexuality. Which, if people want to learn more about, yeah. can refer to the last podcast episode mm -hmm. that we did together about women's sexuality. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in that time, um, as a result of all the trauma that I had and how strongly it was showing up for me, there were many years where I questioned if I was even sexual, mm. if I was asexual. Like, I didn't know because I was so messed up about it. Um, and luckily for me, it turned out that, like, all of that was just conditioning and shame and trauma. I'd like to say luckily for us. Luckily for us, for sure. <laughs> luckily for lots of people, sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. Right. Um, luckily, yeah, that wasn't the case. But I, it took a lot of work for me to dismantle everything that was on top of that, like preventing me from actually feeling um, my truth as a sexual being and come to terms with that. So in my therapy, my therapist was very open about her life and about different relationships um, that she had had and or was having at this at that time and how there are different ways to relate to people and she was the one who brought up this concept of um, polyamory or ethical non-monogamy in having different forms and this resonated immediately with me because I was in this place of just kind of discovering that I was actually very sexual, but I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to be okay with that. And I was having sexual feelings for many different people. And this was a totally new concept to me. 
And she reassured me, of course, that like, that's perfectly normal. Of course, you're sexually attracted to different people. Like you're freaking human. So as far as that goes, that was really reassuring. And what she started talking about was having multiple romantic partners as also being something that people do, like it is an option out there. And immediately that was something that I was like, I'm sorry, what? That's, that's an option? Like I could have a husband and maybe a boyfriend or other partners that I see, you know, on different occasions or different intervals in my life. So yeah, that became like, that became a, a thing that I really resonated with. It made a lot of sense looking back at my past relationships and how I had often been in love with more than one person at a time. So how did you, how did you bring this to, uh, an, un, how do I put this? How do you bring this to a relationship mm. that at that point in time had been six and a half years married monogamous how does that happen with a lot of fear mm. <laughs> and working through a lot of shame around that um because it was very deeply conditioned in me uh, growing up in a very religious household and environment that like that is super shameful like you're not supposed to enjoy sex in general, let alone with multiple people or people other than your husband. Like that was, that was a, that was a really big thing for me to come to terms with and, and break down in my own brain as like not a constructive <laughs> belief. <laughs> yeah. So. So what kind of fears did you have bringing that to your, your husband? Yes. My husband being you, yes. That that person. So many fears. Um, I had so much shame around it myself still that I didn't know how you were going to react because I didn't know how accepting of it I was myself at the time. Um, I knew deep down that it was something that really resonated with me and was something that I did want. But I was so conflicted about, am I worthy of that? Can I have that? Is that something that Jason is going to be receptive to in any way, shape, or form? And initially, the answer was no. Mm. And and you were in one of the initial therapy sessions where our therapist brought it up. Mm-hmm. And I remember your reaction to that was very strongly negative. Yeah. So let's jump into this a little bit. Okay. So... Uh, as far as all this going on, so we were at a tough point in our relationship in general. For sure. Not really, there was everything that you were working through as mm-hmm. far as sexual trauma and re, just trying to reclaim who you are as an individual. For sure. Which a big piece about, you know, the inspiration behind this podcast is this idea of higher potential living, breaking down conditioning mm. and really tuning into what works for you as an individual because it's so difficult with so much conditioning all around us which can be you know cultural conditioning it could be societal conditioning it can be uh, it, it can come from anything social media can come from anything literally anything to strip that away and say so what do I want who am I that's like some of the hardest work for us to really start doing um, on this journey of self-realization. 
So at this point in time, things were rocky. Mm -hmm. To go into our relationship itself, I didn't even know how rocky things were mm -hmm. until you came to me and said, like, I think I need to get help. I don't know if I want to be in this relationship. I don't know if I want to stay married. All of this kind of stuff. So yeah. I was already completely thrown off, which is something Absolutely. that, you know, when we talked about those growth edges is really big to recognize the difference between being within your comfort zone, being on your growth edge, and then being beyond that. When we're beyond that, that's when we enter into that fight-flight response. And when we enter into that fight-flight response, we are not receptive to new things. No. This is just the way that the human brain works. We go into uh, defense mode, but a lot of the times the defense is an offense. So, you know, I didn't really go into much of an attack, but since this th time three years ago with my own coaching, I've now worked with many different couples who have gone into opening their relationship up or going into polyamory, exploring all this kind of stuff. And sometimes it gets hurtful when all of a sudden it comes from one individual, uh, maybe like in this case with Lauren coming to me, sometimes a reaction is to attack back, mm -hmm. say that you're being selfish, tell you that, you know, um, you're just trying to have your cake and eat it too and all this kind of stuff. And if this is your situation, identifying that this is a reaction of that reptilian brain fight flight response it's not going to make it hurt less but it's going to potentially help the movement forward and healing and working together and opening up communication about why this feels like the right thing and all this so that's kind of where i was at in this situation because mm -hmm. i'm sitting in this therapy session and um, I thought I was there as a, in a support role to be there to help you work, work through what you were working through and all this. And then this came up and I did. I felt like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. You're just, what are you, what are you doing? You're, you're making things worse. You're going to, you know, add so much more to the dynamic of what we're already struggling with and all of this kind of stuff. And as far as my conditioning and everything, and, and also... Um, we haven't really had an episode where we've talked too much about attachment styles, but previously for me, I would have had my attachment style identify as probably anxious. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, this is bringing up anxious attachment tendencies, which is don't mess with it. You know, what's going to happen? Uh, it brings up things about codependency, the idea of Lauren being with other people, jealousy, all of this, which I thought I was completely in a secure place for anyone who knows me in my meditation practice, my yoga practice, like pretty cool kilter, like, yeah. And then all of a sudden foundation was just shattered, just rocked. So having to come to terms with that, I think I handled it okay. <laughs> <laughs> all things considered, all you things handled, considered. It yeah. handled it pretty well, yeah. So then what ended up, <laughs> why don't you talk a little bit and how we ended up going through the process? Because it got worse before it got better. It did, for sure. Um, yeah, after that initial kind of seed was planted around that, there were, there were a lot of discussions about what that might look like. It was off the table for a long, long time. We can we can say that first. Like it was just like a hard no, and that makes sense. Like we were not in a great place. We were not solid. Um, we were not feeling secure in our relationship. So how could you really like go into others and and explore that from a, an unstable place and probably from a place that wasn't really 
I mean, we weren't meeting each other's emotional needs or anything. Like it was, it was really not a great space to be in. And right away, just because of the way that my mind works, as soon as this seed was planted, I started reading books. I started, Mm -hmm. you know, getting on online forums, trying to gain information about this lifestyle and all that. And that was one of the things that came up is this is not a... This is not a fix it kind of thing. No, it's no, not like let's have a baby not. to fix our relationship. <laughs> That's exactly what that would have been. <laughs> like, kind of, yeah. It's a Band-Aid? No, no, no. This is a terrible right. idea. Uh, so that's where, and and also a little backstory, I kind of, I guess, was exploring solo poly in college as well. Mm-hmm. I had multiple partners that knew about each other, but I identified as single at different points throughout my life. And for me, my only experience with that lifestyle of that solo poly was was that people are people are complicated. That I always thought that the theory was great. Mm-hmm. The theory behind all of this was so great, but that people were just so complicated. And there were times where I thought I was in ethical, uh, non-monogamous relationships but ended up that I was just the other guy and that the the female was was cheating on her boyfriend at the time and like the, all this kind of stuff. And so in my mind, like there just wasn't enough emotional maturity in the world mm-hmm. to effectively do this. I mean, in your 20s, I think that's kind well, of a given. Here's the thing. And like, I'm not <laughs> grouping all 20s no, to the but... same thing, but we understand like that left prefrontal cortex we've talked about on this podcast before, the rational thinking brain that has the potential to uh, override mm-hmm. some of these sexual desires and all this kind of stuff is just not fully developed yeah. until you're in your late 20s, if not early 30s. Yeah, for sure. So there are some challenges to do trying to do this Absolutely. At the younger stages. But if you're in your 20s listening to this, I'm not trying to say that <laughs> you have no chance. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But it does take a lot of emotional maturity, as you said, and really open and honest communication. And I feel that... Um, in these kinds of relationships, like you have to really know who you are and what you want Mm -hmm. in order to come at it from a balanced place. And there, there needs to be boundaries for yourself as well as anyone else that you might be in relationship with. And those things need to be discussed like in a, in a responsible way, in an open hearted way. And it's just, I think it's just the reality that mm. as you get older, you do more of that work, at least most of us start to, and it's just more likely to happen in a more mature place as you do more of that work. So, And to say that when we say it was off the top table, mm-hmm. the practice was off the table, yes. but we were reading books together. Oh yeah, the idea of it was We started, there. we yeah. kept things open. I'm never the type of person that says like straight out no. No to anything it's about well let's explore what this looks like yeah because that being said this seed was planted in your mind yeah just saying like no doesn't make the desire go away doesn't make you know when you look at other people the way you look at them and all this kind of stuff go away so this is where you know some of the elements around it getting worse before it got better got challenging because there was still this Mm -hmm. same calling Mm -hmm. within you at this time where we were saying no we're not going to practice this until we until we explore it more. And yeah. one of the big things for us was 
even within, and this is where we recognize that even in monogamy, there's so much that goes undefined. Mm -hmm. So we went into a hard um, period of time of like defining, having meetings, communicating. We made lists of like, okay, so uh, like one of the examples when we were early dating, um, for me, I've always had female friends. And one of the things that was never a big deal for me was like spending the night at a female friend's house or even sharing a bed with a female friend. And then early in our relationship, having a conversation with you, I remember saying like, oh yeah, so I was at so-and-so's house and while we were trying to sleep, the cat kept trying to get into the bedroom. And then you, I remember you stopping me like, hold on, what? Yeah, no, no, the cat kept trying to get into the bedroom. And you're like, no, 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 not that part. You were sharing a bed with so-and-so. And so even within that, there were there there were assumptions being made. So mm -hmm. this was the chapter of dispelling all assumptions and let's communicate. Yeah. So we talked about what does a date mean? What's acceptable for? Um, can we change in front of people of the same uh, identif identifying gender? Can we? Um, what else did we have in there? How long? How long is a hug until it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> until it starts to become uncomfortable? Like we tried to define everything, which was maybe. Maybe too much at yeah, times. It might have been overkill, but in, in the interest of communication, like it really helped with with just yeah, outlining things as far and, and like getting to know maybe what were some of the assumptions that we had unknowingly made mm -hmm. when we came into this relationship and how they had possibly affected how we had conducted ourselves. So yeah, I think it was overall like a a great exercise to do we we defined lots of things and we we went through them more than once like i think it, it's also worth mentioning yeah. like redefining yeah. as you grow and change because things will change mm -hmm. they certainly have like i don't care now if you spend the night at someone's place like sleep in their bed i i don't care that doesn't bother me whatsoever yeah so yeah it's it's really interesting and it's a journey, and that's why we check in. Yeah. And now we were also reading some great books at the time. We were. So if somebody is interested in any of this kind of stuff, what are some good books that we can recommend? Um, the Ethical Slut was one of the first ones that I read. Mm -hmm. And as an introduction to um, open relating or alternative relating even, um, it's, it's a really, really good starting point. Mm -hmm. And it's also really great at breaking down um, the stigma around being a slut, like having mul multiple partners mm -hmm. and enjoying being a sexual being. Like it was, yeah, that was a really good one for me. Um, another, and it also has a lot of great workshops and exercises it in does, it, yeah. which we ended up doing together as well. Yeah, for sure. It has yeah. a lot of like, um, a lot of questions that are really geared around like defining things for yourself and self-inquiry mm -hmm. um, that we found really helpful. Um, another one that I've been really enjoying is Polyamory in the 21st Century, mm -hmm. which is by Deborah Annapol. And that also goes into kind of like the history of polyamory or um, non-monogamy, which is really, I think, fascinating. If, mm -hmm. you're, if you're into like the historical kind of thing, that's a great one to go with. And as far as you mentioned attachment styles, mm -hmm. Polysecure by Jessica Fern is also really, really good. I really enjoy that one because I, as you know, I'm really big into yeah. attachment theory. And I think that that in particular is a book that absolutely everyone should read just for their own knowledge about their own attachment style. It doesn't matter if you're in a monogamous or otherwise relationship mm -hmm. or single. Like you, you should know 
your tendencies and it really helps you in understanding why you are the way that you are and becoming more secure in yourself. I, I really love that book. I would read it over and over again. And this was one of the things that even when we started kind of going down this road, reading these books and everything, hadn't I still at this point hadn't decided where I was going to fall mm. in all of this, what I was going to want, not want. But one thing I was 100% sure of is that there was so many gems to take out of the work that people put into trying to make these relationships work. Yeah. Because again, that definition piece behind things, the communication, because I feel in monogamy, we can allow the blanket assumptions to hmm. take care of, with air quotes here, to take care of some of the elements of communication. Like for the most part, generally speaking, most people in monogamous relationships, if you ask them what is cheating, there's going to be some differences. For sure. Um, but there's pretty big understandings there that we'll say that are fairly universal in that in that conditioning. Yeah. But when you get into ethical non-monogamy, not to mention all those different definitions under ethical <laughs> non-monogamy, like you need to be so precise if there's going to be boundaries, what those boundaries are, how you're relating, how you're balancing time, emotional energy, all this kind of stuff that you need to become a communication rock star yeah. in order to make this work. And that was the part that actually started winning me over because as you know, Jason's all about self-discovery and just improving in relating in general. So I got really big into this idea of like, this is incredible. These exercises, these ways of communication, what's required, how often you're put at that growth edge, and then how often you get to impress yourself mm -hmm. in seeing growth when done effectively became very addictive. Yeah, and I think it should also be said that in exploring especially the communication piece in our relationship like that also bled into every single relationship that we have mm. with our families with our friends and all of those relationships in my life have certainly improved as a result of that oh and 100 percent like in polysecure uh, I like that they just talked about relationships. It yep. wasn't talking about primary. Yep. Like they mentioned some of that kind of stuff. But everything there is transferable to any relationship, coworkers, like yeah. all of this kind of stuff. When you're in relationship with somebody, when you're relating with somebody, the way you feel and how confident you feel to be able to speak your truth and own your truth and own that somebody else's truth may be different than your truth. Mm -hmm. Like that's such a big component of this. When When you can listen to somebody else's uh, account of even the exact same experience and realize that you both have two different views on it. Mm -hmm. That's super powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And that neither one of them is wrong. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, one of the big things. OK, so let's go back. We'll, we'll talk a little <laughs> bit going all over the place here. We are. So now in our in our story. Yeah. So here we are. We're we're looking things up. We're figuring things out. What do you think for you, and I don't know if we, I'm curious to see what you say on this. What do you think for you was the big turning point for us? Um, we got to the point of almost separating mm -hmm. and it was really, really difficult. Um, so a little bit of backstory to that. Um, I have a really good friend who we kind of admitted that we have feelings for each other and that became 
a little bit of a push for me mm-hmm. as far as wanting to explore this more practically, um, more in reality. And that... And in a faster time frame. Yeah, and in, yeah, exactly. In a, in a more hurried way than perhaps was um, constructive. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or just, um, yeah, like we weren't on the same page with that speed, with mm-hmm. that um, timeline. So that created a little bit more conflict in our relationship. And because of that, we had some really hard conversations um, around like what we wanted. And there was one night in particular that we started talking of like, okay, maybe, maybe we're not going to be able to do this together. Maybe we're not going to be able to be there for each other in this, like on this road. So we talked about separating. We talked about what that would look like. We talked about like still supporting one another, but not being in a relationship like of any romantic kind anyway. So yeah, like for me, it was feeling like you had your mind made up that this was the lifestyle for you. Yeah. I was still doing my research yeah. as I do. Mm-hmm. And um, there was actually a really big moment for me in reclaiming my power behind mm-hmm. this. Because I, to be honest, like in this whole process, it felt for a period of time like I was chasing. Yeah. Like I was falling behind, being left behind, and then I had to keep up in some way, shape, or form. And it felt like, yeah, that my power was being taken whatever that means whatever yeah. that means my my confidence maybe a lot of those different things Your felt voice, like it was maybe. yeah my voice mm-hmm. that's right um so it became a really big moment and i remember it like i can picture every component to this yeah. of saying and coming to terms with it and saying okay if this is what you need if this is what you want to do the pace that you want to go at and everything i will 100% support you we talked about you know like you can have the yoga studio. <laughs> I don't want any part with it. Have it. Two vehicles. You can take one. All this, but I'm just not going to be. I'm just not going to be in this picture. Yep. And so then it kind of got put out there as to how you're going to take that. And I know that we don't have to go into the details just for sake of time because we haven't even actually got into like practicing yet, really. Mm. But uh, eventually, we you decided to go at a pace where I could spend some more time looking into things and feeling it out. Yeah. And the fact that you did that, because there was a lot of things that honestly um, made me question my trust in you through that. Yeah. But that was one of the first things that helped regain that trust. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we, there was kind of a break that kind of took place from that. We still kind of looked into it. We still talked about it. Uh, COVID kind of became a thing. So that also, also true. put like a break on, you know, going out there and meeting a bunch of people and all this kind of stuff, which gave us some time to sit back, think about things more. And then, you know, the universe presents things in interesting ways. We ended up talking to some friends of ours who were also curious about this. And we found something that kind of worked for us, which was this idea of, because we both recognize which maybe was lucky maybe we are just compatible in that way that for us 
emotional connection was something that we wanted with other and people. With yeah. other people. Yeah. And that was something that I even admitted because you talked about looking back at your life. I've always had amazing female friends, mm-hmm. always had amazing female friends. And I've always been really cuddly. I love to cuddle. <laughs> I've always been very cuddly with all of my female friends in college. I had my, my group of my group of friends. Most of them were females and we would just all have like big cuddle puddles and watch movies and eat popcorn. And I loved it. I loved that closeness. Physical touch is one of my love languages. So I could recognize that as a launching point into building deeper intimacy with other people. So that's kind of what we started doing. We talked to people, we said, this is kind of what we're doing. And we just had cuddle dates with people, which was totally awesome to just like even set those lines and say, we're not going any further. These are just cuddle dates. Let's just cuddle with people. And we started doing that. You were, there was one couple in particular, um, husband and wife, husband and wife dynamic where you started going on cuddle dates with the husband. I started going on cuddle dates with the wife. We explored that. Um, we maybe should we mention what kitchen table is? Cause that's a big thing for us. Yeah. Okay. So in polyamory, there are different ways of handling the communication around it um, in regards to the people involved. So um, there's like, don't ask, don't tell. Polly, which is like you, you both have romantic and sexual partners outside of your relationship, but you don't really talk about it. You don't really ask each other about it. You know, as little as possible about what the other person is doing and who they're dating. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. There's uh, parallel Polly, which like you're both doing your own thing and you're both good with it. There might be a little bit of like Uh, communication around details about what that looks like for each of you but you probably don't meet your metamors which is the partner of your partner um, in that you you may but you're not really involved with Mm. each other and then there's kitchen table polyamory which is the idea is like being able to sit around at the the dinner table with your partner and their partners and have conversations about life and like be maybe friends maybe have board game nights like who knows Mm -hmm. like but being really open and honest in all of those relationships where you can communicate very openly and that's what this dynamic was with this couple yes we would all check in with each other i always thought it was so amazing like when you would say you would go be going on a date the um, husband of the other couple would check in with me hey how do you feel about things and we would have a conversation about it. The wife of that couple would check in with you. Then I would check in with the wife of that mm-hmm. couple. Mm-hmm. We would be talking, how do you feel about them being on their date together and all this kind of stuff. And man, like you couldn't ask for a safer environment to explore things in Yeah. and to go so slow. We went quite slow um, into that. Like we kept things at like cuddles for quite some time and then it was months until we introduced just like a kiss. Yeah. And, you know, then explored that. And going through all of this really started honing in what we wanted, mm-hmm. what we appreciated around um, all of this. And for us, you know, there's not that, there's not as a, a big desire to just hook up with people for the sake of hooking up with people, which there's nothing wrong with that. If people want to explore their different sexual identities and all that, there's avenues and ways to do that. Um, there's all kinds of apps and sites out there. There's probably more people in your community exploring this kind of stuff than you have any idea. It's really interesting. <laughs> That's what we've discovered. Yeah. So we ended up getting on a, a, a dating app. Yeah. 
and seeing people that we recognize yeah. at like places that we <laughs> go visit and all this. And <laughs> it's kind of cool to, to kind of enter into the community that way because one thing about this community is everyone feels like, everyone that we've encountered anyway, mm-hmm. feels like we're all on the same team. Yeah. Like everyone in this community, this lifestyle, wants it to work for each other. So people are so willing to like, to talk about things that they struggle with, things that they've worked through, ways that they found that they could work through it and all of this, which is why we decided to want to have this podcast um, and do this episode. Not only to talk about how there are different ways, if you feel kind of like Lauren did, that you're struggling with what resonates with you and all of that kind of stuff, but also to let you know that there's, there's support out there. There's people out there that are exploring and that are living it. I think, you know, us having this podcast episode, this is kind of our way of like officially putting it out into the world. It was a big thing mm-hmm. talking to both of our parents about it because um, obviously we wouldn't just be putting this out there unless we've told all the people that were, yeah. you know, kind of uh, big in our lives. Yeah. But now, you know, fast forwarding, here we are, like we, our relationship is I'd say better than ever, Mm -hmm. like literally better than ever on all accounts. Absolutely. Like how often do we just stop and like look at each other and say, how the hell (laughs) is this? How fucking lucky are we? (laughs) How is this a thing? Right. It is. It is so amazing. And part of it is honestly because I think we were able to work through everything that we did. Yeah, like I, I used the word lucky, but luck has really no, like oh nothing to do with it. So other much than, work. Other than we are lucky that we both want the same things. Deep and it was down. at the right point. Like, honestly, I had just finished doing a course on um, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy when everything happened with your trauma in the first place. Totally. Like, so there are some synchronicities yeah. in our timeline where like I felt I was able to hold space for you mm. that even a year before that, I don't know if I would have been able to. Yeah, very, very unlikely, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and could have been very, very chaotic, much more than it was. <laughs> and the fact that we worked through that. Now, let's talk about this. Like the work is ongoing. Yeah. Okay. So the idea of like, yeah, having your cake and eating it too, it is not easy. Mm. This is not something for the faint of heart. Um, if you're, if you're really struggling with communication, it's going to be super challenging. Uh, we thought we were communicating really well (laughs) before all of this, Mm -hmm. just like to be perfectly honest. And it really taught us, showed us very obviously where we were lacking with that. And I'll speak from my side in particular because I thought I was communicating really well. And then when it came to actually like asking for what I want and telling you mm-hmm. how I felt deep down, like there was so much shame there. There was so much fear there around being rejected, about not being accepted as I am. Uh, and like, I knew logically that that wouldn't be the case, but the fear was so real that it stopped me from being so honest for so long. And like, that's still sometimes there. It's Mm -hmm. still, the fear is still sometimes there, but having a lot of practice actually working through that and saying like, I'm feeling really fearful about actually talking to you about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Like it's, it's a constant practice. Mm-hmm. There's 
there's always so many more layers and layers to this that you discover as time goes on. Um, 100%. Yeah. For me, one of the big things was admitting jealousy. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is a big topic here. <laughs> yeah, well, and like, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, like how humbling is life? Mm-hmm. I, I've been meditating since I was 10 years old. I've had my mindfulness practice, my meditation practice, like at one point meditating up to eight hours a day. Like, to be honest, I at one point put myself on a pedestal. And I'll, I'll be 100% honest with everyone listening. Like I had myself on a bit of a pedestal of like, yeah, I've got shit pretty well figured out. 100% <laughs> ego and red flag <laughs> that you don't have your shit figured out. Um, so yeah. when I started feeling jealousy, I didn't even want to admit it to myself, let alone mm. admit it to you. Yeah. And so what does that do? It just festers. Oh, yeah. It just festers inside. So again, starting to have conversations and when it felt safe to say, I'm not telling you that I don't want you to go on this date, but I, I want you to know that I am experiencing some jealousy. And so if I'm acting differently, uh, this is this is why. And I'm working on it and it's something that I want to work through, but I want you to just know that this is existing for me. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, again, just uh, evidence of the communication that we've had, you know, your line of, okay, well, barring not going on this date, how can I help you? How can I help your jealousy? And then having conversations about that of like, okay, that's amazing. If you could just um, let me know when you get there and let me know when you're leaving and check in at this point in time. And then knowing that we both just want to support each other on our own growth to fulfill those things. Now, were there times where some of those things, you know, you lose track of time and then all of a sudden, oh shit, I said I would check in at midnight and it's after midnight. Yes. And does that create more opportunities for us to communicate? Yes. Oh boy, does it ever. (laughs) But again, that's the piece. And finding that balance of being at that growing edge uh, rather than being pushed over the edge. That was, that's been the big thing for us and what I would say in our success with this. And I think that really, um, comes with like a mutual respect for one another and mutual desire for each other to grow, to see each other grow and to evolve together as well. Like it's, it's, it's not a comfort zone. Mm Mm-hmm. Like none of this is a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You're constantly playing that edge within reason, with within your personal tolerance at the time. I think that's really important, but it's not comfortable. It's, there are amazing moments. Absolutely. There are so many amazing moments where you can look at this and go like, is this my life? Is this actually yeah. what's going on? Like this is fucking awesome. Yeah. And then there are some moments that are really shitty and you're like, I fucking hate this right now. I feel really shitty. I feel awful. You could tell Lauren's tapping into it as the swearing comes up. <laughs> <laughs> I got really passionate. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some of the big questions that come up yeah. with all of this. Yeah. So one question that's asked is, why? Like, that, that, I know that's a huge question. It's a huge question. But like, I had someone ask me this question literally yesterday. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine that I was telling about this lifestyle is like, but why? Like, does monogamy not have everything built in it um, to satisfy a person? And I think the answer is, yeah, 100%. It could. It could. It could. I think that, 
you know, we're all very unique individuals and you need to find the lifestyle or you need to find a way of living that matches your lifestyle. Like we've heard people who, one, there's a lot more people exploring their sexuality Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I think looking at some of those dating apps, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever seen a woman put single, maybe once or twice. I have a woman identify, or not single, sorry, as a straight. Oh, I see. Gotcha. I don't think I've ever, uh, maybe once or twice out of many, many women I've seen on these these um, sites now, have I seen a woman identify as straight. And so talking to so many women too, it's an avenue to explore maybe parts of themselves that have been pushed down mm-hmm. for a long period of time, again, with some of that conditioning. And same thing with men and people who identify everywhere on on this this you know amazing new spectrum that uh, we're seeing emerge in this in this life. Yeah, I think that goes for for everyone of of every gender and like we are we are all so sexually repressed by mm-hmm. our upbringings, by society, by our parents, by religion, by all these things and that's definitely something that's been true for me is like yeah, this is a way for me to explore my own sexuality, my own truth, who I feel I actually am um, deep down. So I do believe that you have to find something that works for you according to who you are, according to what's true for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that is monogamy. Maybe that does fulfill you in so many ways. Awesome. Good on you. Fucking run with that. If it's not. Mm Just knowing that there are other options out there is relatively new for a lot of people. And it's not the norm. It's not modeled in our cultures, most of them. Um, The norm, unfortunately, is like, well, if you're not happy in your relationship, you know, you go cheat on your partner. Like that is accepted. And yet, and yet ethical non-monogamy like open relating in any form is so like taboo is so very frowned upon in a lot of situations yeah i know people who very um desperately try to keep their poly lifestyle secret absolutely because they have co-parenting situation Mm. and their fear is that if they're um, their ex-partner were to find out that it would be grounds for them to lose custody of their child or like partial custody How of their child. How freaking wrong is that? Yeah, there's a lot oh, of stuff out there. That makes me sad. Um, so, you know, so we, we talk about finding the lifestyle that obviously is matching how you want to identify as, but there's also different lifestyles where I know some people that travel a lot for work and so they actually have a partner in like another city. Yeah or another country that when they're there for a month on end, that they have someone to be with and stuff like that. So, you know, there's also ways to kind of make it work for what your situational life is like. There's aspects of this, like even thinking about why do we have different friends? And we have different friends because different people bring different things to our life. Yep. Like maybe, I don't know, I, I don't know how often you listen to Alexis on Fire anymore, <laughs> but I went to one Alexis on Fire concert with you and I would not do it again. <laughs> That's um, fair. <laughs> so like for me, if you want to go and listen to Alexis on Fire or go to a concert, great, bring somebody else. Yep. Just go and have a good time. Absolutely. And there's there's those moments in our lives where, you know, maybe I find someone who 
is really big into rock climbing and that can be like my rock climbing girlfriend or or something like that, right? Yeah. I think it's also, you know, there's a slippery slope there a little bit of like justifying it because you have different needs that are fulfilled by different people. Right. Um, I think it's also just as valid to say like, I enjoy multiple relationships because I think everyone is so unique and that there's just you're everyone is unique you're you're unique I'm unique yeah everyone we're in relationship with is unique so a different relationship is just going to be unique and that's a piece that I was trying to that. say with like the having different friends okay yeah. like because again for us so much of this is just having more friends that we explore intimacy with let's say like yeah like having more love in your life in mm-hmm. general mm-hmm. like the people that you love on whatever level in whatever shape or form like love is not finite things like time are mm. things like energy are good thing to bring schedules up schedules are really hard to coordinate even just you know trying to <laughs> schedule social time with your friends it's freaking hard yeah but your love is not finite. And that is another fear. So when we're talking yeah. about like things, questions that come up, yeah. things like sexual energy, people will think this all the time. And I know it comes up in a lot of conversations I've had with people that like, okay, well, if they're, if they're going out there and having, you know, sexual relationships with other people, then it's not going to leave anything left mm-hmm. in your primary relationship. Mm-hmm. Every single, and, and now we've, we've been at this for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And every couple, friend, people that we've talked to and met, it's almost unanimous that it brings more of that into your primary relationship. That this idea of it being finite and like when I give it away to somebody else, I'm not going to have anything left. I have not seen any evidence of that anywhere. What you focus on expands. Yeah. What you focus your energy on expands. So if Mm -hmm. that's love, it's going to expand. If that's gratitude, it's going to expand. Now, time, though, you mentioned time. Time Time is a real thing. So there's some people that will talk about um, how much time they have to commit to relationships early on. Like, I love this again in that book, Mm -hmm. Polysecure. They talk about um, secure bases and safe safe havens and talking about right up front saying, what do you have the capacity? How do you have the capacity to show up for other people? So I've seen it out there where people will say, like, I am looking for someone who is willing to go on one date a week. Mm-hmm. And like that's their time commitment. They'll even like break down how much texting they'll have time for throughout the week in between. And if you are looking for more or looking for less, then we're just not compatible at that point in time. Like some people go that specific because they've gone through the reality of having to navigate time with multiple people. Like even us fine tuning it, we have a dedicated date night mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we learned early on is uh, at one point date night was on Thursday nights. You would go on a date Wednesday night, be out late, be tired and exhausted. And energetically, you weren't showing up to your full potential for our date night. Yeah. You would like be falling asleep during the movie or something like that. (laughs) So one of the things that we also had to identify is sometimes like just literal energy can be finite. How long we can stay awake for or something (laughs) is finite. So then we discussed having not having dates like that the day before yeah i think it's a lot of that is just knowing yourself or getting to know yourself and it does take trial and error for sure 100 percent. yeah oh boy 
We've gone through a lot. Yeah. We're at like our hour mark. Okay. Um, what do you think? Is there any like last big thing that sticks out in your mind of some of these go-to questions people ask or things that might be on the tip of somebody's mind right now? I think like you brought up the thing about jealousy and I think that that's, that's a really big point mm-hmm. that it just comes up so much. That's such a big question. I could never do that. I'm too jealous or blah, blah, blah. Like it's okay. I get that. Like some of us are a little more prone to jealousy than others. This way of relating tends to bring up all your insecurities. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just be real. It brings up all the things you thought you'd healed to be like healed at a deeper level. That's that's really what is going on. So if you are even just saying to yourself like, oh, I could never do that. Maybe it's just worth asking yourself why. Mm-hmm. If that's not an edge that you're comfortable working at, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Like do you, do what's best for you. However, I think that as like humans moving into our highest potential, and evolving into better people, it's our responsibility just to ask those questions. What you do from there is completely up to you. By better people, I would feel into like less triggered people. And better better version of yourself. Not comparing yourself to anyone else, mm-hmm. but a better version of yourself. Exactly. Less more triggered, healed. more healed, more yeah. whole, more aware more compassionate, mm-hmm. all of those things is what I mean by better, more more heart-centered, Yeah. right? Like we have that potential. And I think that's a really beautiful thing that I see so much in this community, in the polyamorous community, that it's like people are so passionate about communicating. They're so passionate about self-growth and about facing their fears mm-hmm. and facing the discomfort that, it does bring up because it is really amazing what you're actually capable of when you push yourself a little bit. So yeah, sometimes we get stuck in those comfort zones. That's okay. And that's totally fine. I think sometimes you'll actually be surprised at where it is. For me, I thought there was going to be the jealousy was going to be around thinking of you specifically with other men, Yeah, which that wasn't actually where it was somewhere along the line there was this idea of like a competition that came into my mind Mm. and like well what if i get left behind and this idea of being left behind is like what if we open into this lifestyle of for instance you get on a dating app with um you know in a a couple (laughs) one that we're on uh is called field and lauren has 700 or some odd likes on there and I think I'm sitting at a cool 35 something like that (laughs) yeah and talk to any couples that we we know that are in in that same dynamic and that's what kind of comes up it's just one of those things where men are usually more aggressive on those those apps they're sending likes like they're I don't know going out of style or Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. and so I've talked to a lot of men who have felt insecurities about like you know it's so easy for my wife to get a date it's so easy for all this kind of stuff but meanwhile in our dynamic, in reality, mm-hmm. I've been on more dates than you have. Yeah. I have more partners than you currently have. Yep. And it's us finding out what we need. I'm more extroverted. You are. Than you are. definitely more extroverted you, than me. <laughs> and it works great because 
Well, all those times that Lauren says, I need you out of the house so I could just take a bath and like take care of me. And I could say, okay, great. Let me make a phone call. And yeah. that works for us. Yeah. So, you know, again, all these fears that come up into your mind, like think about who you are as people, all that. Maybe it's, it's exciting and everything in the beginning, but when you start to relax into it and find what works for your lifestyle, that's what it's going to be. It's just going to be what works for your life, your energy with your partner or partners. And, um, yeah, you can have some some fun with it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be so serious for sure. Like it's, I think it's all in the name of growth and it's all in the name of like being closer to the people that you love in whatever shape that takes. So it's um, it's really beautiful. Like it's been such a beautiful exploration for us. Like it's it's been so hard at times, absolutely. Mm. But in the long run, has been absolutely amazing and I wouldn't trade it for the world like I no the way it's brought us together yeah the way that it's honed in our communication Mm -hmm. and that's the thing like it's still ongoing we were having conversations um yesterday Mm -hmm. about checking in Mm -hmm. and and it's probably a weekly basis almost but it's not a heavy thing or as things come up yeah it's not heavy it doesn't need to be like depressing it doesn't need to be a big cry fest every time we talk it's like oh how do you feel about me doing this with this partner or if we ended up wanting to go away or like this kind of stuff just having conversations and i think a big part of that to be fair is staying on top of doing your own Mm. work Mm -hmm. like regulating yourself um, sitting with your emotions, allowing yourself to feel the things that you're feeling and not judge yourself for them. Like just whatever your your practice is, maybe you meditate, maybe you do yoga, maybe you dance, maybe you do, maybe you're a rock climber, maybe whatever it is, whatever brings you back to feeling yourself, mm-hmm. those are the moments that I get to glimpse into like, okay, what am I actually feeling? How am I showing up to this thing that I do regularly today Mm -hmm. because those things can be such a mirror for you so yeah I think a big part of it is staying on top of working on yourself and being honest with yourself and then bringing that honesty and and centeredness into whatever relationships you have um, whether it's with a partner whether it's with your your parents whether it's with anyone like it's Mm -hmm. it's really important to take care of yourself that way 100%. 100%. That way you're not coming at it from a triggered place and possibly hurting each other. So here we are, my love. Yeah. We've uh, we've come full circle. It's been a journey for everyone who's mm. been there with us along the ride from our, our therapist to our partners to people who've been amazing and supportive. Thank you. You know who you are if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, you know who you are. We love you. And um, yeah, like anything else with any of the subjects that we talk about, if you have any questions feel free. You can email at info at higherpotentialliving.com. You can reach out on my website. Um, we're happy to put people in touch with resources and all this kind of stuff. You know, we're we're still going through and exploring what life is, what all this means for us. We, we still have our boundaries. We still have things that we talk about and all this. And, you know, it's still an ongoing journey. So wherever you are in your journey, if you have any questions, feel free reach out and we'll uh, we'll do our best with that lauren thank you so much for being open and talking about all this how does it feel to like put this out there 
It feels really way. good. Yeah. It feels really good. Like this is something that we've been exploring for a long time on whatever level and and it's um something that we've talked to a lot of people in our lives about but like I have nothing to hide. I'm an open book and I I really want people to be able to live their best life. So this is me and yeah, it feels good to just like say, yeah, here I am. Amazing. Yep. Here you are. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, well, I'll I'll see you like right after I end the podcast. I'll see you at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Higher Potential Living Podcast. If you would like to learn more about Higher Potential Living and the services we offer, please visit www.higherpotentialliving.com. We offer different online courses, in-person courses, mindfulness and meditation retreats, and we have a variety of different coaches that are there to help you with anything that you might be going through. So please check us out. You can also help support the work we do by subscribing to this podcast anywhere you're listening and of course sharing it and telling your friends all about it. Thank you so much and have a great day.